Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. We're back and full of chocolate eggs. Uh, it's the UK Tech Weekly Podcast. Sorry that we didn't uh, deliver you with a uh, Easter egg special last week. Uh, we were too flipping busy, weren't we, David? I wasn't busy. No, <laughs> other people were busy. There was a there was around. there were many holidays, and um, we couldn't get it together. But fear not, we will recede back into time and bring you some uh, news from the last couple of weeks on the Apple side of things. Get a bit fruity on the Nintendo side of things, and also check out Facebook again. So we got Scott Carey, online editor of TechWorld. Scott, what year did you get Facebook? Oh, first year of uni. So. Oh, that's pressure. 2007? Mm, okay. David Price, deputy editor of Macworld. What was your first ever Apple product? Uh, the uh, Probably an iPod Nano, mm, I think. What colour? White. Nice. I think it was only available in white and black at that point. Vintage. And Dominic Preston, staff editor at Tech Advisor. What was your first Nintendo console? Uh, well, my sisters had a, the original. We had sort of a big grey Game Boy between a lot of us, but the first one that was properly mine was a red Game Boy Pocket. Nice. nice. I also own both of those Game Boys. <laughs> it's the Nerd Factory. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about tech. Cool. So, straight back in after Easter, Scott Carey, you've been covering Facebook's developer conference, which is called F8. I'm going to put you on the spot before uh, I let you talk. Again. What's <laughs> F8 stand for? Why is it called F8? I looked uh, this up, so I actually know. I actually don't know. Ah, it's <laughs> no. much no, It doesn't mean fate. It's not talking about eight different things. It's because Facebook's hackathons uh, legendarily last eight hours. Ah, like in, like in the, the social, social network. network. Right. And yeah. they're all taking yeah. shots. That's and... pretty much why it's called that, apparently. Um, Zuckerberg made um, a whole host of really nerdy jokes about how they should have seen the SEO problem coming on the horizon that Fast and Furious 8, <laughs> um, after Fast and Furious 7, they should have seen that F8 was going to steal their thunder. And funnily enough, they came out basically in the same week. So now if you Google F8, oh. um, you get a lot of um, The Rock no. and Vin Diesel <laughs> instead of nerdy Some uh, debate, Facebook that's not developers. a bad thing. No, I would debate that. What, is the, what do the F8 key do on a PC? Oh, I don't know. 
God, we Are you all... looking at me? I work for Macworld. <laughs> we, should, we should all be fired. We don't know any of these well, questions. Anyway. Have <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's the MacBook Pro, then they just oh, have the touch bar. Oh, just wait your turn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> cool. So let's get to it. Uh, Scott, Facebook's developer conference uh, took place last week, this week? Yeah, this week. So it kicked off on Tuesday. Um, trying to make sure I'm getting my days right because the bank holiday is all <laughs> out of whack. But yeah, Tuesday... Um, morning their time, evening our time, and then um, it's a two-day conference, so there's been um, a lot of announcements sort of overnight as well, uh, recording this on Thursday. So, they, I mean, they've announced a ton of things. So much they, stuff. they tend to announce a lot of stuff. They've announced so much. And you call it a developer conference, and it is a developer conference, but they also use it to announce a lot of their big sort of feature yeah. announcements, and they also use it as a way of roadmapping where they're sort of going to take the company over the next year. Um, they have like a 10-year roadmap, but... So, for example, last year, the big thing was VR and chatbots. And this year, um, those have sort of fallen to the wayside a little bit. So you can, so F8 tends to show you sort of where they are in their thinking. Um, while we're on chatbots, they announced that they're um, trying to solve the sort of discovery problem, which um, is sort of a big issue. They, is that they when you really... discover that all chatbots are crap? Exactly. <laughs> Um, and also they went really big on like trying to get people to use chatbots within Messenger, but there was no way to discover them. Um, so they're adding a discovery tab and also there will be a piece of artificial intelligence within Messenger, which will, if you're speaking to your friend and saying, yeah. let's order a pizza, it will pop up and say, why don't you use the Domino's bot, which is horrendous. Because <laughs> there, there are some cases of this, for want of a better term, AI, uh, within apps that I do understand, like mm. when you're on... I don't know, you're on the train and you're using City Mapper, it'll go beep beep, get off here yeah. or whatever. Okay, fine, slightly invasive. But then personally, I find Messenger quite a horrible service to use. It's I appreciate that it's really convenient. You don't need phone numbers, you can chat to everyone, they'll probably see it. But do you, I, I find the platform horrible. You, every time you cancel like your favorite people or you know, the suggested games and stuff, it just pops up again a week later. Yeah. I hate Facebook Messenger with a passion. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems to, like, I've got this OCD thing where I don't like having any, like, red blob notifications, and they, there's yeah. a constant one because, like, I won't give them my phone number or something, right. and I just can't get rid of it. And I, Yeah, I, I meet a lot it. of group conversations and stuff. But anyway, um, I digress. What did they announce about Messenger? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, he just announced that it's Messenger, like, 2.0, so um, they're, they're really keen to sort of get more um, people using bots and, and communicating with businesses directly on Messenger. It's a big sort of commercial push, really, more than anything for the user, in my opinion. Um, there's a couple of things like uh, chat extensions where you can start bringing bots into group chat. And the example they gave was if you and your mates are talking about booking a flight, you can actually talk to your mates, but then also ask the bot how much a flight to Budapest will be. And then you can compare that by saying, oh, actually, how much would a Lisbon flight be? And you right. can do it all in the same place. Kind of makes sense. What happens if your mates will start talking to the bot and not talking to you? <laughs> if it's better conversation <laughs> chatbot an actual sort of conversation bot just so a chatbot delivers your good friends. quality small talk it sounds like a really bad piece of fanfic doesn't yeah. it a chatbot stole my friends <laughs> <laughs> by David Price <laughs> now I'm sad um, and they're also uh, they're, they're still banging on about QR codes they're still a thing I know yeah. I, I wrote this yeah. down as part of uh, to pick up on they were saying yeah if you if you go to a venue we can give you like like they use the example of the Golden State Warriors yeah. um, they'll have QR codes all over the venue and you can like scan it with Facebook Messenger and you can get sent to nachos or something and yeah. yeah you can start like talking no, to it nobody uses QR codes in this country but I think they're big in uh, Asia yes they are yeah so it's not it's not quite as 
bonkers as it sounds. Fair enough. I think for our audience, yeah, but no, you're correct. Yeah. I mean, yeah. they completely misunderstand QR codes like historically in this country. Like they put them on underground posters and stuff. They just have no idea how they work <laughs> yeah. on a billboard. Yeah. yeah. Great help. And then also, but yeah, you said it took slight, slightly a backseat, but there was a AR VR. Uh, side with Facebook yeah. Spaces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on the VR side, the big announcement was they've launched their. He called it their first social VR product, mm-hmm. um, and it's called uh, Facebook Spaces, and it's it's kind of like a uh, a virtual chat room. Uh, it's a bit goofy. Like you kind of create an you create an avatar, and then you and your Facebook friend can like meet up in a chat room um, virtually um, with your Oculus on, and like walk around and have a chat and sort of <laughs> hang out. Um, really so if, it, if anyone's yeah. nerdy enough to have read um, Ready Player One, there's a lot of Ready Player One scenes which take place in like um, chat rooms that people have invented and then they're like private rooms and you can jump in using your avatar and um, go from there, really. It reminded me a bit of that... What was that thing around the same time as like MSN Messenger? It was it began with an H and it was like a weird thing. We had like a little character and you could just go in to like a little... It was a little bit animal... Like Animal Crossing, it's called like Habby something or other. Oh right, yeah, I mean Charlotte, com- Charlotte compared it to a, Charlotte just called it a virtual version about. of First Life, of uh, Second, Second Life, Life. Yeah. which it kind of is. First Life, any, is any life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is my life. <laughs> well, I suppose that is what they're trying to do. They're trying to normalise all this like weird stuff. We sit in your front room with an Oculus on your yeah. face, taking yeah. a selfie of nothing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but. Weirdly, VR took a backseat at F8 to AR. Um, Zuckerberg was really, really big on augmented reality. And um, this sort of comes a couple of weeks after they launched Facebook Camera, which is their ripoff of Snapchat. Um, So it's like face filters, uh, augmented reality effects, things like that. Um, And he said that, and he kind of took a dig at Snapchat here. He said that obviously the first step here is to use features that people understand, like a dog filter on your face, like you used to on Snapchat, you know, those sort of things. But he said what the main idea is, is to make an augmented reality platform on Facebook where people can create their own effects, their own filters, and start to uh, personalise a lot of that and and really normalise it and make it just the way that people communicate. Having those augmented reality features become way more common wherever you are on Instagram, on Facebook. So Instagram stories, on Facebook, on WhatsApp, whatever you're doing really yeah. on, on one of the many Facebook um, platforms. And then he, he talked about some sort of pie-in-the-sky ideas where you'd be sat in your living room and you'd have um, sort of your Facebook glasses on and instead of buying a TV, you could rent a virtual reality, an augmented reality TV that would sit on your wall and <laughs> for like a dollar an hour you could watch like pay-per-view on it. And you wouldn't right. need to buy a TV. Just carry around your glasses. Yeah. I'm hoping that all these ideas are kind of like a, a bridge that we'll all look back on and think, oh, wasn't that quaint? Because <laughs> I can see the appeal in some of the stuff like Facebook camera and all these, well, admittedly, um, filters for faces that I just, I don't get. Mm. But one one thing this is, um, Facebook has been predicting for a while, Zuckerberg's been saying that he can easily see by the, by the end of this decade, Facebook would just be a video platform. Yeah, and I think normalising how people communicate using video, I think that is changing, and it could become a bit more standardised and a bit more socially acceptable. Yeah, he said, um, and I, I'll butcher the quote, but he said something along the lines of, um, "Photos and videos are becoming so integral to our platforms um, that it, we want it to be where the text box used to be." So he yeah. literally sees video and photo as being the primary mode of communicating other rather than text um going forward and the way that they want to make the most of that is by um building features on top of the camera 
Um, so he wants like the Facebook camera uh, to be the augmented reality platform. Mm-hmm. And so they built this thing called Camera Effects Platform, um, which is basically a developer studio. Um, so you can go in there, and and you probably don't even need to be a like really like hot developer. You probably can be just like a teenager, and you, you'll see teenagers in their bedrooms creating their own filters and stuff um, going forward. Will they do a filter for naked pictures? <clears throat> <laughs> or like putting pants, <clears throat> pants on you? Well, yes, I mean... Like, uh, what's it called? Trick picks. Giving you a massive, think, think, a massive wang. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or hide your massive wang. Oh, possibly yeah, more yeah. Usefully. Whichever this is what circles. I wanted to talk about in this podcast. You were you dying to bring this in, weren't you? Pornhub's new um, photo filter. Is yeah. it called? I can't remember the name. Trick, trick picks. Trick picks. It's yeah. like dick picks, but it covers your, the trick, as the said, your wang <laughs> trick. with like, um, a cartoon picture. But who wants that? Avocado. Why would you? Doesn't that defeat the whole point of a dick pic? I don't know what the point of a dick pic well, is. Well, I don't. I mean, I'm not, I'm not an expert, <laughs> really, but I feel really. like the dick is kind of integral. And if you're, <laughs> well, you we might... need to bring Ashley Cole into this, or Vernon Kay. Those are, are very out of date references. <laughs> no, they, they were the last big dick pic scandals, weren't they? Were they? I think it's any, I think any dick pic is a scandal. Oh, Anthony Weiner. Yeah, Weiner. Yeah. And that was particularly good because of his nose. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so that that was all the big augmented reality, virtual reality announcements. What about, what about typing out. typing with your brain? Yeah, so this, <laughs> so as we're on out there ideas, um, basically last year Facebook announced that he was build uh, well Zuckerberg announced that Facebook was building this new unit called Building Eight, and it's going to be headed up by um, I can't remember her first name, but Duggan. She came from Google, and it was going to be concentrating on like hardware. Um, and sort of a little bit more like moonshot ideas for the company. And now one year on, we finally get to like sort of a peek at what they've been working on in that like specialized unit. Um, and they've, they've built like a 360 VR camera. Yeah. So they've, that's their, the first piece of hardware that Facebook have ever produced. Um, but then more out there is uh, they've been working on this thing that they call the brain computer interface, where um, you can, in theory, type using just your brain so they believe that they can use um optical imaging scans so they'll scan your brain 100 times a second and then by looking at the activity of a certain area of the brain it can translate what you're thinking into text on a screen so you can type 100 words a minute without type touching a keyboard that sounds utterly terrifying yeah yeah <laughs> it's going to transcribe what i'm thinking yes <laughs> Don't want to use that at the same time you post a dick pic. <laughs> 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 um, that's mad. Yeah, um, insane. So, like, Elon Musk this week has been talking about something called Neural Lace. Um, yeah, and we it, sounds like, it a, on... sounds like a sex robot strip club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it actually sounds like the, like, the strip club in, like, Blade Runner. Yeah. It would be called Neural Lace. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Let's but, not go there now. Let's yeah. <laughs> But neural lace, it, you actually have to like implant like a uh, something on top of your brain. So you, it's an invasive procedure, which would then be able to take um, what's happening in your brain and translate it into computer language. Um, but Facebook, what Facebook is saying so is not invasive. Why does the one have to be invasive and not the other? Is, is the well, it's just different technologies. Accurate? I have no idea. Like, um, um, Matthew just asked me. He was like, "How does?" like how does the optical scan know what the words you're thinking are and I was like you're, this is above my pay grade <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, that's, that's mad that's that's a step above because I find it weird when I found out some people get NFC chips implanted in their palms Yeah, you can program them to like be your 
bank card or whatever or whatever yeah you can do the oyster thing using your palm that's still horrible I always think that's weird because you could just wear uh, a smartwatch you know, which is use, use a card like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. like, you look like less of a twat than if you wore a smartwatch, though. <laughs> Are we going to start that? Up? No, <laughs> I, I, every I, forbi- time, I forbid David, it. Every time. <laughs> Scott's not a fan of the Apple Watch. Um, no. But yeah, so that was the out there stuff. Um, there was a lot of boring developer announcements. They're doing like more community stuff around like developers. Um, it's basically a way of rebranding Facebook groups, but for developers. Right. Um, I think it's kind of their push into like diversity issues, to be honest, but whatever. Uh, they've open sourced a load of stuff, like their places database, so you can like start building some pretty cool um, place-specific uh, uh, apps using their stuff. And they've open sourced a load of other stuff anyway. Um, Are they going to change the outcome of the uh, general election? No, so he didn't talk about fake news. Um, he, uh, but he did says you in the media, so, <laughs> so maybe he did. Um, no, he did um, make sort of one current affairs statement where he directly talked about the recent shooting in Cleveland. Um, so, for context, there was a um, incident in Cleveland where a man um, shot someone and then uploaded it to Facebook video. I think it was on Facebook Live, wasn't it? He did it all. Yeah, I can't it... quite work out whether it was Facebook Live or whether he, he uploaded it after the event. Um, but there, there's obviously a massive issue with um, violent, um, sexually like explicit content and stuff taking over from Facebook's video platform, which is always going to happen. And, and Facebook haven't been particularly good at censoring this stuff. So uh, it was expected that Zuck might say something about it. Um, and he said... Uh, our next focus is building community. We've always done a lot to help um, people share and get a diversity of opinions out there. But now, in addition, we're going to work hard on building common ground and not just putting more opinions out there, but also bringing people closer together. That means nothing. No, it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it means absolutely nothing. He basically didn't talk about building any um, specific censoring tools or anything like that. He said, we've got a full roadmap of products to help build groups and community and more informed society and help our community safe. But he said, we have a lot more to do here, and we're reminded of that this week by the tragedy in Cleveland. We'll keep doing all we can to prevent tragedies like this from happening. You can't stop people killing people. Exactly. But also, I think they just, you've got to maybe face up to the fact that once you connect the entire planet with one product, as they're basically doing, you can't police it. You get all sides, yeah, yeah, you get all sides. You get the dirty side, you get the nice side. And obviously that poses a huge PR problem for Facebook. I think um, there's a big difference between confronting the problem and actually doing something about it. And at the moment, it looks like they're just paying lip service and basically saying, yeah, we're aware of the problem. We want to try and do something about it rather than actually coming out and saying, "Okay, we have got a team of 100 people trying to work out how to make sure that this stuff doesn't get in front of people because people don't want to see it and it shouldn't be on the platform if we want to keep it um, like a place where people can safely like go and share stuff and view stuff so I think it's part of the issue that not enough people reported it that people just saw it on their feed scroll past maybe didn't think it was real I don't know but yeah, mm. if if because it was up there for like what, multiple hours yeah, yeah if people bad. had seen it and immediately gone this is shocking content can yeah. you take it down please I'm not sure um, that a community um, should be responsible for policing itself I think that the platform itself should have some inbuilt controls and I think that's where Facebook and Twitter have been really poor Um, so 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they're if later on because this is you know it's a really fresh tragedy and they had to say something about it. And it'll be interesting to see if later on they actually start coming out with some practical measures to try and deal with this stuff. Um, but at the moment they haven't, so um, we we will have to see. Cool. Thanks for the roundup, Scott. Uh, as is tradition, Scott F eight or two thousand and late. <laughs> Uh, 2008. Dominic Preston. I don't know what that means. 2008 as well. The I mean, negative one? It's, it's bad. <laughs> I guess. Fergie said it once. From Black Eyed Peas, not Alex Ferguson. Right. Um, what was the first one? F8. Sorry, this is rubbish. Or 2000. Uh, F8. Yeah, I'll say F8. Good old, good old Zuckerberg. Cool. Yeah, good. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, we'll come right back and talk about Max. David Price with your white iPod Nano. What has been going on? I've still got the iPod Nano. Oh, it's a shame. It's quite good, wasn't it? I was a bit thrown off by the informal start of the podcast today. Sorry, we just a chilled out, relaxed well, bunch of cool dudes. Chill, being chilled out is upsetting to me. <laughs> this, happened, <laughs> this happened a little while ago, which will probably also unsettle you. Uh, back at the beginning of April, um, Phil Schiller and Craig Frederiki uh, got a bunch of journos together, didn't they? And they, they said they'd done a bad. Yeah, well, not a very big bunch either. No. Five, five journalists in a room, almost outnumbered by the Apple yeah. <clears throat> executives. Um, and they basically said to them that the Mac Pro um, didn't use these words, but it was a, it was a flop, it was a mistake. I think yeah. things went wrong. Schiller said, we're in the process of completely rethinking the Mac Pro. And just, yeah. just to obviously... Obviously, not insulting the listener's intelligence here, but this is the cylindrical pro uh, trash can, trash can desktop thing that doesn't come with a monitor or anything. Not the yeah. MacBook Pro that we're talking about here. No, no, the Mac, the Mac Pro, the second gen Mac Pro released in 2013, yep. which has had almost nothing done to it since then. Apart from um, having a £500 price increase. Yeah, the, it, it, got, it got hit really bad in, in the, uh, the Brexit By price. The Brexit. Yeah. So this is odd. But this yeah. is Apple mid-product cycle, months before... They would normally unveil something, and then it would be on a stage. They've said yeah. to some people and the rest of the world now, uh, "We kind of got that a little bit wrong. We're working on it." Yeah, so it's not going to come out for ages. Did, did it's really unlike them. Why yeah, have they done it? It is uh, because well, I think there's there's multiple reasons. They were getting a lot of um, uh, flack in the press and from um, Apple fans saying that they that they're giving up on the Mac. So people are, are just sort of moving off. Uh, the, the the pro users. I was just talking to um, the editor of Digital Arts, and he was saying that pr- the pro community have pretty much moved off the Mac Pro. In fact, uh, and there a lot of them are on PCs. which yeah. seems bizarre to me. Or just but, um, an iMac. Or just an iMac. Or in some cases, the MacBook Pro. Um, but when the MacBook Pro came out in uh, autumn, the the one with the touch bar that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um, a lot of Pro users said that that wasn't good enough for them because it had a maximum of 16 gigabytes of RAM. It hasn't got cable-like processors. It's just not as powerful. And it as... costs as much as a house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Um, so there is a theory that in response to that, they decided, oh, right, well, maybe we should rethink the Mac Pro. And for that reason, they've only been doing it for a few months. It's going to be a long time before the Mac Pro comes out. They specified that the new Mac Pro won't come out this year, Um but based on that theory, it might not be till 2019 that yeah. we get the new Mac Pro. That's pretty rubbish, having six years between something that uh, professionals would probably want to upgrade, debatably, more often than a regular consumer. Yes. And on reflection, I think you pointed this out earlier to me, that the, the Mac Mini, which is just sold as a uh, hard drive basically on its own with, yes. with everything inside, be able to have the monitor and the keyboard, that makes sense. 
to sell just on its own, but a £3,000 professional product like that not yeah. coming with a monitor, isn't it? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. A bit backwards. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's possible that you might already have the display. Sure. Being sort of modular does make sense. A lot of senses. Um that works, um, but, uh, and they are going to release a display alongside uh, the new Mac Pro, which is this is something they confirmed, is it? Yeah, they did. They're going to do an, uh, a new a new Pro display, but it won't be a touchscreen display. Okay, um, so not like the Surface Studio. No, oh, and so there's all these rivals coming in and basically eating their lunch, and they're getting a bit worried. Um, but they, yeah, as you said, they wouldn't normally announce this stuff so far ahead. There's there's this thing that I was reading about called the Osborne effect, which is caught out a few companies where you you announce a product, and then immediately everybody stops buying the existing product. You know, which makes sense because it's going to be replaced. Mm, yeah, uh, and they're doing this potentially, you know, 18 months ahead of the product coming out. The reason they don't care is because nobody's buying them. Yeah, <laughs> so they're going to lose, you know, zero sales from True. doing this. Is it um, also really unusual for them to admit fault? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you remember when the uh, the iPhone four had a problem with the antenna? Mm. Yeah, and Steve Jobs replied to an email and said that the guy that was losing phone calls on his phone, he said he was holding it wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, they did yeah. eventually sort of admit culpability and let people have little bumpers to go around them. So they so they do they do say this, and they have become more of a sort of um, humble company under Tim Cook. So this is this is more his sort of line of thinking. Um, but I think they just they like the idea, as do most companies, of of saying, "Here's our new product. You can buy it really soon. You can start pre-ordering now." And the idea of just turning up and saying, "Well, we're going to do something," um, and then it doesn't come out for another nine months, eighteen months, is just a bit crap. I read a good piece on it. I can't remember where I read it, so I won't pretend this was my idea. But I agreed with it, uh, and it was that this is perhaps a sign that Apple is finally feeling the heat of being. The, le- the leading light in. I thought you were going to say <laughs> feeling the heat of our ferocious. <laughs> no, was <laughs> chat. Feel, feel our ferocious heat. Feel our ferocious heat. No, um, no. <laughs> it was it was saying that they've always, um, all their major successes have been when they've been on the back foot. When, yeah, that's when, true. Yeah, the the, the, the colourful iMac when Steve Jobs came back, that was like bam, 
screw you PC. And then the iPhone was just like absolutely killed BlackBerry and everything. And now that they've addressed the pro market, they've, they've taken it too wide. They've they've tried to say this is for scientists, for designers, for engineers, and then yeah. not really like focus properly. And now they're like saying, oh, they don't mind admitting that other people are doing it better, basically. Yeah, it's true. And it's they haven't, true. They haven't uh, defined that category of computer. But that, but that is a key point, is that the pro category, and they kept on emphasising this, was that the pro category is huge and not, not you can't get one product that addresses all of those people just as well. So they're basically saying that a lot of uh, pro users are happy with the iMac or the, um, the MacBook Pro yeah. and will continue to be, but that this is aimed at a different class of pro user, people that are doing like VR stuff, mm. um, you know, some of the anything that just requires um, a, a very powerful GPU, essentially, because the the fundamental flaw with the uh, the Mac Pro was it was designed in this specific triangular chassis, which has heat um, um, problems. It has, it has thermal right. um, issues if you put in more than one uh, GPU. Uh, no, if you put in a particularly powerful GPU. So they they thought that everybody was going to start using dual GPU setups, um, both with good um, uh, heat conservation. Um, but instead, the market went the other way and people just started sticking in one very powerful GPU. And you can't do that in that configuration. The, you know, the, the um, essential hardware design doesn't allow you to do that. So essentially, it became unupgradable. And if you don't release a new model for six years, as you said, <laughs> then people are going to start thinking, well, my, my GPU is not powerful enough and I need to put in a new one, but I can't put in a more powerful one because it's stuck as a dual GPU setup so what's the point and you mentioned the touch bar Mac Pro that some people have uh, not come to kindly uh, part of the reason for that was that they consider it underpowered yeah. um, so is, is the MacBook Pro having the, that Pro thing attached is, it, is that now slightly misleading or has the industry outgrown um, that machine's capabilities well as you said the, the Pro market is a wide one and a lot of you know a lot of people I think they said in, in the discussion like 15% of Mac users use at least one Pro app each week so a lot of people regard themselves as pro users but don't necessarily require the absolute most powerful machine and for those people the MacBook Pro is a is a really nice looking portable um, cool laptop that is fairly powerful yeah but it's it's not really powerful enough for the absolute top tier because what the other thing you alluded to there is a nice looking machine the Mac Pro wasn't a um Bastion of Apple design was it? It was a strange. <laughs> the trash can. Yeah, the tra well, yeah. I, I love the design. I think Do they you? were really proud of it. Actually, I think if anything, the problem was that they they let which around is it? They let form lead function rather than the other way around. Mm. Um, I actually think it's quite nice as well. It, I mean, it's designed to be on display. You yeah. know, you, you remember mm. the the first Gen Mac Pro, um, which is the tower, that sort of. Um, you know, you lift it up onto your desk, it weighs a ton, and it and it didn't look very nice at all. I mean, it looked better than most of the other towers out there, but um, this was a real step forward, and they were really proud of it when they released it, and um, Phil Sheila said, can't innovate my ass when he put it on stage. It did, unscripted. Um, I think he got a slap wrist for that. Was it unscripted? I didn't know <laughs> It was that. unscripted, That's yeah. That's brilliant. Uh, yeah, I, th I thought it was really nice design, but it just, it, as I said, it, it didn't, it was a it was a misprediction. It was a, a miscalculation of of where the industry was going to go, and they just assumed everyone would get dual GPU setups, and they haven't. And they've been stuck with this thing for years, and and it's been a sort of an embarrassment of when were they going to acknowledge that this is not a product that works, um, so, and we're going to deal with it. And I think that's what they wanted to do now was to acknowledge that and let them let people know they're going in a different direction. How important do you think the PR, but also just the design of the general product uh, around the inevitable now Mac Pro uh, will be because Apple 
undoubtedly has dined out on its design prowess for years. People yeah. bought a Mac, an iMac back in 1998, even if they didn't need one, just because it looked amazing, right? Yeah. And for, to an extent, that's what people did with the iPhone 6, the iPhone 4 before that. It's just like this amazing item. Yeah. Does that did they? design the Mac Pro slightly differently because that kind of marketing doesn't appeal to Pro users. They just want specs or are we going to see an amazing new desktop come out? I think I think they will be more cautious um, about letting design lead the way in the next one. Um, like for example the the port situation. You know, they are quite they're quite keen on just getting rid of all the ports so they can make it look nice, a bit more minimalist, yeah. make it thinner. Um, I don't think that will necessarily be the case for the new Mac Pro. I think it will have a lot of uh, USB-C and, what do you call it, USB-A? Yeah, USB. should be, hopefully USB-A on there, um, yeah. There'll be you know, a lot of ports like that, so it won't look quite as sleek, um, well, nowhere near as sleek as the MacBook Pro. Um, but it's, it's still Apple, you know, they're still going to want to make it look nice. They had this weird thing back in the day where they would design the inside um, of, yeah. of their Macs in such a way that when you open it up you still think oh it looks nice in here which is like, like the number of people that would see that is so small yeah but they, mm. they have this obsession with it Steve Jobs used to talk about how he, he um he read about furniture designers that would make the back of tables and stuff that was going to be against a wall just as nice as the rest of it because they they would know it was there it's a weird sort of philosophy yeah but even their like out of the box experience was always like yeah. um designed in a in a way that was nice even though that experience is like 10 seconds and then you throw it away. Or it's you, part of yeah. the product. Yeah. Yeah. Going into the Apple store is part of the product. Yeah. The whole experience is mm. you're buying being an Apple customer. You're mm. not just buying the product. It's amazing, Which though, is, isn't it? I bought, I bought a PC before, like a laptop, and it just comes in like a weird cardboard throwaway thing. Mm. And it's just not the same. No. <laughs> you can just consider an Apple product just above everything else. Not, not necessarily in terms of function, but in terms of form. You mm. can't, really, can't really argue with that. They're so lovely to you. <laughs> <laughs> but this, yeah, but this is, this is a. Um, a bit of a, a cock up. Yeah, uh, but I quite like the, the the new Apple Mark, whatever they are now, um, <laughs> because yeah, you would never have seen Jobs doing this. He would have, as you alluded to, sent a snarky email to some poor customer who just wanted an answer. Um, yeah. And no doubt he was the whole reason for this company's existence. But it's nice to see um, them just saying, yeah, this is what we're doing now, because every other yeah. company tells you what, what's going on. Do do they? Well, I don't, maybe not, but maybe no one cares. People care about Apple, and they've, they've told people what, maybe what they want to hear, yeah. even if they didn't want the situation in the first place. Well, at the very least, if this is going to plump up some sort of um, wounded egos in the pro community. People <laughs> people just thought they were being neglected. And, yeah. and you know, it's fair enough, because they spent that much money on Apple products. I always find that entitlement to attention, though, slightly weird. It's like, why won't you make it? You've not looked at the Mac Pro for a thousand days. Like, well, <laughs> who, who gives a shit? I mean, in my opinion. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, these upgrade cycles. Like, well, they gave... You have a phone. <laughs> yeah, but Chill you out. sort of... But, yeah, but if you get onto um, a platform, then, then you, you sort of... You buy the software library around it, and there is an assumption that you will then be supported. You know, if you, if you buy a load of Mac Pros for your design studio, for example, mm. and then you start needing to uh, replace them, then switching over to be a part part Windows, part Mac OS shop is going to be more difficult and it's going to be sort of... I think there is an element of um, loyalty required in that situation, but I know what you mean. I've probably also personified the problem because I clearly don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's people like me who ruin the Mac Pro for everyone. Um, we've run out of time, but David Price, iMac or iCac? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't know. iMac, yeah, iMac. Scott Carey? iMac. 
Dominic Preston. Mm, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't like it. Right. Uh, we'll be straight back after this for your post Easter pod with some talk about Nintendo. Don Preston, so we've chatted a lot recently about the Nintendo Switch, uh, why it's good, why it's run out of stock, why everyone loves it, and why there's no games. But <laughs> to sidestep that for a moment, there was a little machine which we've also discussed on the pod called the NES Classic, which was a £50 plug-in to your TV device that played 30 classic NES games. Yep. Why have they stopped making it? It's gone. Yeah, it's, 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 it was one of the more surprising moves in a while. I mean, it was a huge hit. Last Christmas, they sell one and a half million of the things, uh, and then they announced this week that they just discontinued the product and they weren't going to make any more, even though it's been out of stock ever since it hit shelves. People have still been struggling to get hold of them, and we're expecting, you know, Nintendo to be ramping up production to try and meet demand that was obviously still there. Uh, and so there's a lot of questions uh, immediately following that, and people sort of thinking, well, is this because they've got something else at their sleeves, or is it just that they want? the focus to go back to the Switch because they'd always said the NES Mini was kind of a one-off little uh, fun thing. I think it was a bigger hit than Nintendo ever expected it to be. And really, a lot of what it looked like was so that they had something that would sell last Christmas at a stage where there weren't any particularly big 3DS titles, the Wii U was dead in the water, and the Switch was still a few months off. Because even though these games are 20, 30 years old or however old the NES is, um, yeah. you're still getting 30 games for £50. Yeah. And do you think perhaps because these games were available on the Nintendo eStore that they actually realised that they were losing money? Well, that's, yeah, that's a lot of the wonder. Nintendo's made a big point of, it's always, it's a bit of an unkind term, but milked its back catalogue for everything it's worth. It does. And uh, <laughs> <clears throat> so it's console since the Wii U been able to buy old NES and, and SNES titles and they've been sort of increasing that with every console since. The Switch doesn't have an eShop yet. There will be one on the way eventually. We just one of those other bits they just didn't have ready for launch um but yeah so again part of the speculation was well maybe they wanted to stop selling the NES mini to make sure people were interested in buying eShop games on the switch whenever that arrives um there's also still sort of question marks over whether they're going to honor people's past purchases nintendo being a bit bad on that in the past about your purchases carrying through between the platforms so there's a chance you might have you know bought the original Mario Brothers on the on the Wii or the Wii U, and be told, "Well, you don't you owned it for that platform. If you want to play it on the Switch, you've got to buy it again." Oh, that's terrible! I didn't know that. Yeah, we, it's really bad. Yeah, <laughs> they can be like that. I think everyone's sort of rooting for them to to sort that out this time. They're being better about company wide accounts, like user accounts now, so they should figure that out. But um, the most compelling reason for why they discontinued it was one that has since been not confirmed, but um, rumors speculated that. They're just following it up with the SNES Mini, which yeah. was the really obvious thing to do. Uh, and basically, it's just they only have so much production capacity, so they had to stop making NESs so they could start making SNESs. Quote <laughs> <laughs> well, of the week there. Uh, uh, Dave and Scott, have you played the NES Classic? I mean, I had a NES Classic, but I haven't played the, the new... The mini one. We got this over there. Didn't yeah, I? you yeah. saw it. It's in that box. Yeah. I think it's in there, unless Chris has nicked it. But um, <laughs> yeah, we should, we should crack it out again, because it is really fun. And for £50, you can literally... As you can see by that upside down picture, hold it in your hand. Um, <laughs> Rather of a SNES, though, I think this is good. Yeah, yeah. SNES is yeah. So SNES, SNES is, was is, is a massive upgrade. Really yeah, the, I think the, the gap between the NES and the SNES was one of the bigger gaps in terms of the quality of games. Yeah, uh, the NES was very arcadey, whereas the yeah. SNES felt more console. I think, um, yeah. So I think that's a fair move. That would be the big difference. Just the games library for the SNES is such a huge improvement over the NES, and the NES has a lot of games. You know. Anecdotally, when you talk to people who have the NES Mini, what they generally say is, yeah, it was great fun for a few hours. 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's, and it's very then, nostalgia. Yeah. Whereas the snares, actually, I think they are still good games. Exactly. Also, There's, yeah, I think yeah, the, the NES playing some of that on modern huge TVs looks a bit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it looks pretty ropey. Yeah, uh, and they're just they're the kind of games that, like Scott said, they're very arcadey. So they're really great for playing a few rounds. But yeah, they're you know they're really hard games to play now. You go back and you play them, you think, I know this was an amazing game when it came out thirty years ago, but it's hard to go back and play the first Zelda. Yeah, because it's. It's a bit rubbish now. <laughs> it doesn't really hold up. Whereas no, as soon as you, you make the leap to the snares, like the a link to the past, as everyone says, oh, that does hold past. up. That's a fantastic game. I four, played it again yeah, last 50, year. 50 quid, and you got four people playing uh, Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. first Mario Kart for the snares. Uh, best oh, of other yeah. games. You've got all the sort of big. Uh, there are quite a few big Final Fantasy games on the snares yeah. up through six. Uh, Chrono Trigger and Secret of Mana, other big RPGs. You've got Super Metroid, you've got Star Fox, Street Fighter, oh, Street Fighter 2, so yeah, Mortal Kombat <laughs> and Mortal Kombat 2. And, and this is the this is the thing, because I've got a 3DS and I looked on the eStore when I when I took me bloody ages to log in because it is <laughs> a terrible uh, user experience. But yeah, you look and you think, oh maybe I'll buy like yeah, the old Metroid game or something. They could be about seven or eight quid. Yeah. And you kind of think, oh, do I want to pay that? Much. When a 3DS game costs what, at least 30 quid. Yeah. So I kind of myself didn't didn't do that, but now yeah, if you get 30 games like you did with the NES for 50 quid. Yeah, if they can hit the same price point, it will be just a massive value increase because they are the kind of games you'll you'll stick with, you'll want to play. There are longer games. Mm. Um and can you, could you save files on the NES Classic? Yeah, so it, it, it that was one of the big improvements. It did have a totally modern save system. So you okay. could just save as you went and overcome that big don't frustration. Just pause, don't just pause it for four months yeah yeah <laughs> that was memory cards. On the snares actually wasn't it uh no they all saved onto cartridge didn't it yeah the, original. the, car- oh, the game oh, cart themselves yeah. saved yeah on the, i remember on the snares though i think you had to have a battery in the cart to save so like mario mm. all stars had a was heavier cart because it had a battery yeah, there you were could some, save yeah. but most games oh, like i love ca- it cannon fodder you had to just write down a code yeah there was a lot of that yeah. stuff remember the rumble pack for the n64 yeah, yeah. terrible <laughs> <laughs> but great yeah <laughs> i love all these like um hilarious workarounds for these these sort of problems i um, remember like the memory card like crisis yeah. that would happen with like play games where you'd take memory cards around <laughs> to mates houses and you'd have to label them because yeah. like, yeah. Were, like you'd have like your save games on there for whatever some, yeah siblings deleting save files oh, to get my back at you yeah. <laughs> yeah i definitely lost some grand theft auto save files some and hours of your, killed someone. your world <laughs> That would be PS2 actually, wouldn't it? it would, yeah, yeah, probably. Because that actually. But they uh, were still memory cards. Yeah, yep. PS2, GameCube was all Game memory Cube. card. Yeah. It got me to thinking as well. What are the other tech products that have just been famously discontinued before people wanted them to be? Um, the only I could, there was two that stuck out. One was around for three years, but still, I always remember it as uh, didn't fulfil its potential. Was the Dreamcast? Yeah, mm, yeah. Nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand and one. But I mean, that was less discontinued and more Sega stopped being a functioning hardware company. Yeah. I right. know, yeah, I, mean, I know. But still, I mean, it was, I and mean, then, like, you'd be look at the PS2, which came out two years after that, but then uh, wasn't put out of production completely, the PS2, till 2013. No, they, were, they were making PS2s for years. That was, years. Insane. That was an amazingly successful product. Yeah, and they talked about, um, there was always talk at um, Sony about having um, backdated games on the PS3, and it never kind of happened. Yeah. Um, they said that, like, a lot of your, like, old game files and stuff would still be available for the PS3 and that would be like the reason why you would upgrade because you could have it all in one place um, going back to Sony the Mega Drive is one of the great all time consoles like Sega yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's yeah. one that's one that I would like to get my hands back on yeah Sega should get on the, the Nintendo Mega yeah. Drive, idea Mega of Drive Mini, yeah. Mega Drive Mini whatever, I would, yeah. there's a few games on the Mega Drive Mini that I would definitely <laughs> pick up yeah, I remember playing. I can't remember what it's called. There's a top-down football game on the Mega Drive, yeah. which is amazing. There was a good boxing game. There were good WWE games actually on the Mega Drive. And then, um, WWF at the time. Yeah, very yeah. true. 
not the panda. And um, <laughs> yeah, the other one that I thought of, which I, I've never actually used, was the, another Nintendo one, the Nintendo, the Nintendo Virtual Boy. Oh my god, what is do that? You remember, do you remember <laughs> this? That was early VR. Very uh, early VR. Early VR. So it looks like kind of um, some sort of. I always think it looks like a weird kind of alien spider because it's like a it's a red unit which you put over your eyes and then this controller. I think it dangles down from the headset, so you have a controller in, placed in front of you. And even I've though it was never called, heard it was the called the Virtual Boy, but it was more like AR, and the, it was like a, you put it on and it could only display the color red. Yeah. And you could, and it was only on in production for six months before they cancelled it because they were like, "Oh shit, it's 1995. <laughs> We've invented <laughs> something realized. that doesn't exist yet." Like, <laughs> yeah. But Google it if you don't know. And that that I'm was. Look at that. Um, they got past that because that was what couple of years before the Game Boy Color, which was pretty successful. Mm. So. And the N64 around then, which was a big... But yeah, no, I mean, the Virtual Boy is an interesting one. It's one of the reasons I think a lot of people are looking at Nintendo hasn't gone near VR yet in terms of its gaming, and there are a few reasons. But reluctance around the Virtual Boy has got to be part of it, because <laughs> it is famously the, the biggest ever flop, and it was a disaster, and it gave people headaches and made them sick. And it was all red. Everything was red. Why would you make that? Uh, <laughs> so that, you know, they've kind of got to prove that they can, they can do VR and, and it not be absolutely unbearably awful. Maybe they missed the Soviet Union. Yeah. All that red. And then the, the the one thing just to just to finish off our uh, bumper edition that was uh, games console that's been discontinued because everyone loved it. Um, it also made me think not quite the same, but about technology. Something that and really annoys me is planned obsolescence in tech. Mm. Not quite the same, but I was thinking, yeah, they've cancelled that after less than a year. But also, we replace our phones every one or two years. We should, and we shouldn't. Yeah, we, we shouldn't. We really shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> no. I know we're sport here by getting uh, samples and everything, in, but I mean most people. Don't want to get rid of their phone after two years. Um, why, why companies? How have they got away with it? <laughs> it's yeah, it's a triumph of marketing, I suppose. They, yeah. They've 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 been working away at that itch for like fifty years. The idea that new is good hmm. um, and that it's natural for things to be replaced before they before they actually wear out. Yeah. Um, an i an iPhone does not need to be replaced every year, but for a lot of people, it is. Um, you know, and they've got that new program that means you, you pay a certain recurring fee and yeah. then you just get one every year, mm. which is even pushing it even further. Yeah, Samsung, the S8, actually, as we record, comes out today. It might be uh, be delivered if you pre-ordered it. But they are doing a, a payment program through Sky, which it looks... Sky, it's, so this is Sky's bad, not, not necessarily Samsung's. It looks like you're getting a great deal because you pay 30 quid a month just for the handset and it's yours. And you're like, wow, that's amazing. But if you actually look at it, you are signed up to pay for at least, tw- I think it's something like at least 24 months payment. And then at the end of it, you have to give it back. What? It's like a £30 a month rental of a handset. No. So you end up paying 900 quid over two years and then it's, you just give it back. <laughs> Don't do that if you're a Sky customer. <laughs> it's terrible. That's shocking. So that's slightly different, but basically everything is crap now. If we are destroying the environment with our ridiculous electronic trinkets, yeah. that's probably not the right It will be dead attitude. before that's a problem, isn't it? I'm not sure we Isn't will. True? No? We might be dead because that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. quite the same. Skynet and all that. Well, I've been slightly off topic there, but thanks for this uh, summing up of that, Dom. And if the SNES Classic uh, does crop up, everyone, buy it immediately. Um, so, Dominic Preston, Nintendo Entertainment System or Now Everything Sucks? <laughs> Nintendo Entertainment System. Scott Kerry. Yeah, Nintendo Entertainment System. David Price. Nintendo Entertainment System. Nintendo Entertainment System. Thank you for listening uh, to our two-week catch-up on the UK Tech Weekly podcast. We promise we'll be back next week. Thank you, everyone. Say goodbye, guys. Bye. Goodbye. UK Tech Weekly Podcast. 
My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 